So the first Bible reading for the sermon is Deuteronomy 8, the page number there on the screen. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son... So the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs, gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, at the thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce the wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I will testify against you today so that you, I'll testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Second Bible reading is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16, halfway through the chapter. So God himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their, dece- in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ." From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love 
as each part does its work. Thank you, Rob. Well, good morning. It's great to, uh, to be here with you, considering our, uh, our third part of our gospel growth strategy. Uh, and I hope you've got an outline in front of you, which will sort of show you where we're going. Uh, how about we pray uh, as we come to consider this, uh, this important topic. Father God, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this time now. We thank you that you strengthen us by your word. And we ask that you would do just that. Uh, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, minds to, uh, to think and understand, and hearts ready to respond to you. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've already heard this morning about... Uh, Mr. Strong and Mr. Clever and Little Miss Sunshine and, and their desire to, to, to strengthen various aspects of their, of their character and their being. Um, I, I kind of almost feel like, well, we, we've had just a, a cracker of a sermon this morning. We could just leave it at that. The kids' talk was, uh, was fantastic. Uh, being strong is something I, I think we all want. We all want to be strong. We want to, we want to be resilient and able to, to cope with the things and, and pressures that come our way in life. And we, we face a lot of pressures, whether it's sickness, whether it's uh, tiredness, stress from all sorts of different sources, relational, financial, time deadlines, needing to get things done. And, and, and sometimes life is hard and we feel weak and, and we want to be strong. Uh, we want to be strengthened. We want to be able to cope. We want to be able to succeed. We want to be able to get on top of the difficulties that come our way. How do we do that? What things help us to be strong in life? People tell us all sorts of things can help. Um, regular exercise, um, good diet, enough sleep. I mean, those three, exercise, diet, sleep, they're, they're really important things uh, to being strong in life. Uh, uh, good relationships, uh, maybe time out, time to, to relax uh, and, and take a break from the pressures of life. They're all good things that we need. What we really need to be strengthened is God's word. Jesus says in Matthew 4 verse 4, in the midst of a really difficult time for Jesus, he's 40 days in the desert being tempted, fasting, he's hungry, and Satan tempts him and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And what did Jesus answer? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live on bread alone. I wonder if we actually believe that. Uh, we need to listen to God's word. We, we need to listen to God's word. We need that to, to live. Hearing, feeding on God's word is what we need in life, says Jesus, says the scriptures. Do you need the word of God to live? Well, Jesus says yes. The scriptures say, says yes. In fact, the scriptures say that our very existence has come about by the word of God. Uh, God created by his word. Psalm 33 uh, says, if this is going to work, are we working? Ooh. It says it's working, but it's... Uh, I think I plugged the other thing in. If we just go to... Nope. There we go. No. Or is that you, Trevor? Just go to the next one, Psalm 33. You just check that that thing's plugged in or maybe pull it out and plug it in again. Um, go on, go, there you are, Ben. Go and see if you can get that working. Um, it's great to have an assistant minister. God created by his word. Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. 
Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, for let all the people of the world, world revere him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. God created by his word. Similarly, uh, Psalm 148. There we are. Uh, Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Our very existence depends on the word of God. God speaks and things happen. That's power. Such is the power and essential nature of the word of God. God created by his word. Secondly, God recreates by the word of, of the gospel. He brings people to, to new life by the word of the gospel. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, notice, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, but the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this was the word that was preached to you. Similarly, James 1, we saw in our series recently in James 1, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So we need God's word. And thirdly, God's word strengthens us. How does it do that? Well, it teaches, corrects, rebukes, trains. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, we may think that we can get on, we can get on quite nicely in life without God's word, but that's a foolishness. We need his word to teach us, to correct us, to train us, to, to, to rebuke us. His word is a, is a lamp to our feet, is a light for our path. Psalm 119, verse 105. Uh, recent weeks I've been, in my personal Bible reading, I've been reading through Matthew's Gospel slowly. And, and um, I'm up to the Sermon on the Mount and it's, it's just been great to sit at my Master's feet and listen to his preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. I've, I've read it many times before. But I need God's word to to teach me, to correct me, to rebuke me, to train me. We need God's word. His word is powerful. It's living. It's it's active. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is this, this living and active thing that, that addresses us, that cuts right to the heart of things. It judges the, the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. How we respond to God's word, really, it, it, in the end, it comes down to a matter of trust. Do we trust that God's word is actually what we need? That that's what we need to live. We, to, to live, we actually need to listen to and follow what God says. We need to trust him. That was the, uh, the lesson that uh, Israel had to learn back in the, in the wilderness when, from that, that reading from Deuteronomy uh, 8. We read how they're in the desert en, en route to the promised land and, and God taught them to trust him. God taught them to trust what he said. They're, they're there in the desert, they've got no food. 
God miraculously provides manna for them. And he says, just gather enough for today. At that point, they think, well, gee, okay, I'll get enough for today. But what about tomorrow? Maybe I should get some more to make sure that things are okay for tomorrow. God says, just gather enough for today. Trust me. Would they trust him or would they take matters into their own hands? That was the lesson Israel had to learn, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, by trusting every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the same lesson that that we need. Will, Will we trust God and what he tells us? Now, our our trust in God is is tested at at all different points. Where is your trust tested? Is it in how you speak? Uh, God says we should use our words to build up others, to to be kind, to be compassionate. So often we're we're tempted, though, to, to tear others down, to be critical, to be negative. Will we listen to God's word and trust him in changing how we speak? For those of you who are married, is your trust in God's word tested in your marriage? God's word says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Do so you say, no, no, that's, that's not the way to do things. God doesn't really know what he's talking about. God says, trust me. For those who are single, is your trust in God's word tested in your singleness? God's word challenges our, our culture that says to us that to be fulfilled as a person, you must be in a relationship. God says, that's not where fulfilment is found. And there are advantages for the kingdom in being single. And each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Will we trust God's word at that point? Is our trust tested in how we use our money? God's word commands those who are rich, 1 Timothy 6, to be generous and willing to share. Do we think, yeah, God's word says that, but actually I'm not sure if doing that is really the best way forward for me. Uh, Is it in the area of sex? God's word says sex is a good gift to be enjoyed in marriage as a husband and a wife love and serve each other. God says, trust me, that's how I designed it to work. But we hear the voices of the world that say, get satisfaction for yourself however however you like. God's word, it challenges us. And it, it teaches us to trust God. They're just some examples. There's all sorts of ways in which God's word challenges us to trust him. We need to hear God's word. We, we need to allow it to challenge us, to correct us, to train us, to strengthen us. Well, how? How do we uh, do that? How does that, that strengthening happen? And who does the strengthening I mean, is it, is it here on a Sunday morning through hearing a minister's sermon at church? Well, yes, uh, in part. So Ephesians 4 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. An important part of being strengthened is, is to be strengthened by pastors and teachers equipping us for works of service. But that's only one part of it. I mean, you can kind of liken it to, uh, to eating. 
is having one good meal once a week, is that enough to make you strong? No. Uh, coming to church, hearing a, a Bible reading and a 25-30 minute talk from Ben or me once a week, that's, that's good. But if that's it, we're going to be pretty hungry and scrawny Christians. If we genuinely believe that the Word of God is what we need in order to truly live, then we must be listening to it, reading it, thinking about it, learning it, applying it, obeying it, doing, it, doing that in all sorts of different ways. Uh, so many of us live busy lives. Uh, we're, we're busy. You, know, you ask someone, how are you going? Oh, I'm busy. Like, that's, that's normal. We're, we're busy. But we make time for things that are important, for things that we value. Uh, we need to make time in our lives to be reading God's Word. Um, the, having a daily quiet time is not an 11th commandment um, and we mustn't get all hung up about it and sort of set up this kind of performance-based Christianity such that well, we feel like God's happy with us if we've read our Bible today and we feel like he must be grumpy with us if we haven't read our Bible. It doesn't work like that. We're saved by God's grace. Praise God. But let's not starve ourselves by failing to listen to God's word and to understand what it means and what it says to us. Let's be nourished. Let's be strengthened by it. Uh, personal Bible reading, it can be a real struggle. I know that, to be honest. I, I struggle to be, to be regular in reading God's Word. It, it requires discipline. But if listening to God and trusting His Word, if that is fundamental to life, as God says it is, we, we need His Word, then we need to work out how do we make that happen. It's not enough to just say, I'm just too busy. We need to work at how to read, uh, read God's word, to be listening to it, to be trusting it in amongst our lives, as I'm sure many of you know and, and you do. Um, this is something, though, we're not just to do uh, on our own. We need one another. We're to do this with one another. We need to be strengthened by one another in God's word. Uh, let me share with you a, a bunch of Bible passages that speak of this one anotherness. Uh, so Ephesians 4.15 from the passage that uh, Rob read for us is talking there about being prepared and, and built up by the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, so that we'll be mature. And here, what does that look like? 4.15, here's a picture of maturity. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Notice there, we are to speak the truth to one another in love. And what does that mean, to speak the truth in love? Um, I think often that kind of gets used to talk about saying something hard to, to, to someone else, but, you know, kind of, I'm speaking the truth in love, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. It's kind of this, we, we use it to talk about rebuking one another. And there's a place for that, that's, that's part of it. But actually, it's, speaking the truth is bigger than just having the hard word. Uh, throughout Ephesians, uh, the, the rest of the letter that, that Paul writes here, when he talks about the truth, he's talking about the truth of the gospel. So Ephesians 1.13 says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Or 4.21, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Or chapter 6, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So the truth is the truth of the gospel. It's the word of Jesus. 
And we are to speak the message of God's truth to one another in love. But let me show you from another bunch of other passages. Um, you might want to jot these down and look at them later. Um, Ephesians 5.19 says, uh, Godly, spiritful living includes, verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs. Interestingly, in our singing, our singing is actually a, a speaking to one another, a mutual strengthening that happens as we speak the word through our songs. Uh, in Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers are to, to strengthen by God's word. Uh, Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Or Romans 15 verse 14, here is a picture of a mature church. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. See, we're to instruct one another as the body of Christ. Or Hebrews 3 verse 12 says, uh, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And Hebrews 10, 24, that passage Ben read uh, from earlier, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, one last one. 1 Corinthians 14 says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. You see how the scriptures are again and again are saying that strengthening one another by God's word. That's what we are to be on about. That's what we're to do. The idea of a solo Christian who says, I have a relationship with God, I'm just not involved in a church, that makes no sense. And it runs completely against the grain of what God has called us to, what God tells us to do. We're strengthened, we're to strengthen one another by God's word. How do we do that? Well, there's a... Um, a great book which some of you may have, may have heard of called The Trellis and the Vine, um, subtitled The Ministry Mind Shift That Changes Everything. It's a great, um, it's a great book. Let me read uh, from just one bit of it, some examples of how we can do this. Now, I've sh shared this um, in our, the, the, the partnership course that some of you have, have done with me. Uh, I should say the names are made up. And any, uh, any resemblance to actual persons is purely coincidental. So. Uh, let's pause for a moment, it says, and tease out what this means in practice. Here off the top of my head are ten ways in which any Christian might speak the truth in love to someone else in the name of Christ and, that, and thus participate in God's great work in the world. Jeff is asked by his workmate Peter what he did on the weekend. And he replies that he heard an excellent sermon in church that helped him understand for the first time what was really wrong with the world. When Peter asked him to elaborate, Jeff explains why sin and God's judgment explain the problems in our world. Jeff continues to pray for Peter that these sort of opportunities would continue and that Peter's heart will be softened to respond to the message. 
Secondly, Sarah's teenage son is having real problems in high school. And as they talk about it at night, she reassures him that God is stronger and more faithful than any friend and prays with him. Bill is chatting to George after church and shares with him how encouraged he was by a particular verse in the Bible that day. Michael meets one uh, one to one every fortnight over breakfast with his mate Steve, who's a newish Christian. They use the Just for Starters set of Bible studies to work through some of the basic issues of living the Christian life. Alison is worried about her friend Debbie, who struggles with anxiety and has been missing church quite a lot. Alison writes her a one-page letter offering encouragement, quoting a few Bible verses and offering to get together to pray. Warren goes to a Bible study group each week at Jim's house with six other people. He makes sure that he's read and thought about the passage before he goes and prays that God would help him to say true and encouraging things in the group. Irene is quite elderly and finds it hard to get out, but she phones her friend Jean every second day, talks to her about the Bible passage she has read that morning and prays with her over the phone. Claire has been praying for her friend Shirley for months and finally invites her to an evangelistic evening that her church is running. On the way home in the car, Claire talks to Shirley about the message and does her best to answer Shirley's questions. Trevor rearranges his work schedule so that he can take Wednesday morning off to teach scripture classes in his local primary school. He and his wife end up doing this for many years and have an enormous impact on the lives of kids and teachers at their local school. At Phil's church, they take a few minutes during the Sunday meeting for a congregation member to give a testimony or to bring an encouraging word to the congregation This Sunday, it's Phil's turn, and he tells how the teaching of Ephesians 5 has turned his marriage around. There's 10 examples of how people like us can be involved in strengthening others by God's word. That's what we're on about. We are seeking to strengthen by God's word. That's one of our four building blocks of our gospel growth strategy. Uh, This is foundational. We are strengthened. And we strengthen one another. Uh, what that means in, in our church is that actually Bible teaching is, is uh, central when we get together and, and the reading and preaching of God's word is central in, in our gatherings and in all our, our life together. In our growth groups, we do all sorts of things to help one another to grow. We share life together. We talk with one another. We, we eat together. We pray together. But central to what we do is we read and listen to God's word together. We are strengthened by God's word. Uh, kids club, youth group, we open the Bible. We, we don't just, we're not just there to play games and have, or have social outings. It's being strengthened by God's word is central. Uh, parish council, we open the Bible together before we consider finance and property and, and ministry of the church. Uh, women's ministry, men's ministry are ministries around God's word. It's not just doing stuff together. Doing stuff together is important and we do that. Uh, but we are strengthened by God's word, and that must be central to what we're on about. So the question for us all is, um, how are you being strengthened by God's word? And how are you strengthening others by God's word? Uh, A vital part of doing that is, uh, doing both of those, is actually by belonging, belonging to and being committed to a local church. So come to church. It's hard to strengthen one another if we don't get together. Now, am I uh, preaching to the converted at this point? I mean, here you all are. You're here at church. Um, Unless, of course, you're listening to this talk uh, later on. Be committed to one another, to being strengthened and to strengthening others. Lock it in the diary. Sunday morning, I go to church because it's important. 
It's important for me and it's important for those whom I'm serving. Uh, Here's one way to think about it, and some of you would have heard me say this. Uh, Decide once to go to church. Decide once to go to church. Don't don't face the decision every week on a Sunday morning, will I go to church, won't I go to church, will I go to church? Decide once, I go to church. I'm a Christian, I'm committed to being strengthened by God's word, I'm committed to strengthening others by God's word, decisions made. That's what I do. Um, that's, that's how we operate in all sorts of areas of life, isn't it? Like you, you, you need a job. You get offered a job. You decide to accept the job. You decide once, decision's made. Yeah, come Tuesday morning, you don't think, hmm, will I go to work today? Oh, I might go to the beach instead. I mean, you can decide that, but it's not going to go so well for you at work if you do. Well, here's another way of, of thinking about how church fits in our lives. Um, I think most of us can tend to think, uh, think about week in kind of two parts. If you're working or studying or at school, uh, I think a week kind of falls into two parts. It might be different if you're retired. Um, but there's Monday to Friday when we, we do what we have to do, work, school, uni. And then there's Saturday and Sunday where we have our, our leisure time. And there's also the things that we fill up our leisure time with, uh, different things, and, and going to church, well, that's one of the, the things we do to fill up our leisure time. If we're Christians, if we've been raised from being dead in our sin to being alive with Christ and we've been welcomed into his body, his people, then gathering together with God's people is not just one of the options for how we fill up our leisure time. That is actually in a completely different category for the rest of the life. Now, I'm not saying that church is is just as important as work or school. I'm saying it's heaps more important than work or school. Meeting together to be strengthening, strengthened by one another, uh, whether it's a church or growth group or a kids club or youth group or one-to-one mentoring or family devotions or catching up with a mate uh, from, from work who's not yet a Christian, reading the Bible with them, those things should be top shelf priorities that we lock in and that we kind of sort out everything else in life around that. When I go to work and when I do the groceries and when I get the kids to sport, and all that, for God's people, gathering to be strengthened ought to be a top priority. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not saying work is unimportant. I'm not saying school is unimportant. And I know that things come up and, you know, you can't be here at church. People, you know, people get sick. You go on holidays. So there's an emergency in the family. Stuff happens. I'm just saying let's see the importance of strengthening one another by God's word and let's act on that. I may be preaching to the converted and maybe it's all the people who are out there listening to the, this later. That need. As I said, though, strengthening happens in lots of ways. It's not just in coming together as a church. Uh, in our own Bible reading, in our reading uh, with, our, with our kids or in our family, family if we have kids or in a family. Now, I raise personal Bible reading and family devotions and, and it's easy for us to feel like failures at this point. Uh, what do we do if we, if we do feel like failures at this point? Well, I want to say come back to God, rest in his grace, rest in his forgiveness, allow him to pick you up and, and set you right and, and get going. So, uh, by way of application, 
Think about how you can be strengthened by God's word and how you can strengthen others by God's word. Uh, Maybe it's getting together once a fortnight with one or two others and reading a chapter of the Bible and praying. Maybe it is writing an encouraging note. Or like Irene, bringing up a friend every second day and sharing what, what you've read in the Bible together. Maybe it's calling someone who's going through a tough time, encouraging them, praying for them. There's, there's actually, there's no end to the possibilities of how we can strengthen one another by God's word. Uh, the, this book puts it like this. It says, what we're ta- really talking about is a Bible reading movement in families, in churches, in neighbourhoods, in workplaces, everywhere. Imagine if all Christians, as a normal part of their discipleship, were caught up in a web of regular Bible reading, not only digging into the Word privately, but reading it with their children before bed, with their spouse over breakfast, with a non-Christian colleague at work once a week over lunch, with a new Christian for follow-up once a fortnight for mutual encouragement, with a mature Christian friend once a month, for mutual encouragement. It would be a chaotic web of personal relationships, prayer and Bible reading, more of a movement than a program. But at another level, it would be profoundly simple and within reach of all. What a vision. May we be such a Christian community that strengthens by God's word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word which is, has brought us into being, your word which has recreated us by the word of the gospel, bringing us to new life in Christ. Father, we thank you for your word which teaches, corrects, rebukes, trains. We thank you for the gift that is. And Father, we thank you for the gift of one another, that you don't call us to, to walk this path alone but that you give us one another to strengthen and encourage, to spur on. Father, please help us in our increasingly individualistic culture to stand apart, to see the great gift you've given us in one another and the great responsibility you've given us for one another. And Father, please grow us in your word. Help us individually to be reading your word Help us in our homes, in our growth groups, in our relationships with one another, with people uh, in the world. Help us to be focused on your word, to be strengthened by it, to be strengthening others. And we pray that you would uh, grow us to maturity in this. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.